back to another episode of With Sonar. It's Wednesday. It's the last day of the month. We finished Thanksgiving. We're headed into the end of the year here, and we've got a lot to discuss today. We've got falling fuel prices. We've got freight costs that are hitting new lows, especially on the ocean side. All that we'll discuss later, as well as where do we head next from here. Uh, but first, we've got uh, Tony. Glad to have you here as always on the end. And then, uh, Tanner, good to have you back after a little break uh, from last week. Absolutely. Uh, what did you guys do for Thanksgiving, by the way? Any highlights? Not really. I was with family. I mean, so you guys missed it before the show. We were talking, and Tony was a little upset that they didn't have mashed potatoes for Thanksgiving this year, um, which, you know, that's uh, well, if you not watched, that great. If you would have watched Freight Waves now, you would have known that is my favorite side dish at Thanksgiving, and it was the only one that we did not have that would have topped on that list of you didn't, favorites. You didn't bring it, did you bring a side this year? No, and I asked and was oh. told no, so okay. you don't need to bring anything. And I showed up, I said, where are the mashed potatoes? We don't have any. So, I'm sorry. I'm sorry little, I didn't get little upset, potatoes. but it's Maybe, it's maybe we'll make some mashed potatoes for you. Hey, I'd appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, Phil's void. Wrapped around the <laughs> Um So, uh, no, but it's exciting. We, we, got, we got a lot to talk about today. First of all, folks, last day of the month. Um, we're past, past holiday. We've got, uh, uh, we've got Christmas and New Year's here to finish out the year. Um, we saw, uh, Tony, give us, give us the breakdown of uh, Black Friday you know, weekend, like what we saw there. Yeah, I mean, if you start looking at some of that initial data, I mean, sales were relatively strong. I mean, you're talking up. Two percent year over year, so I mean, a little growth. I mean, not as mm -hmm. much. I mean, about what people expected to sure. see, at least on that initial front. I think one of the interesting things that we've seen was out of uh, Adobe Analytics, right? They they have all the access to store, like they're pulling all this data. And one of the interesting ones was a seventy-eight percent year over year increase in buy now, pay later. So mm -hmm. I mean. To me, it's are we pulling demand forward, right? And it's going to cause the brakes to hit, really get hit after the holiday passes, right? When, when the bills start coming up for this, like, is that going to be what's headed? And I think what's interesting, if you look in the freight market, the reaction to the holiday was darn near nothing. I mean, there was a little yeah. bump up in spot rates, but they're basically where they were in October. So, I mean, it sure. wasn't like a, a big movement, rejection rates came up a little. Again, they're already headed back down. Volumes, if you connect the two, take out that zero day, they're still on the way down. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just everything all together is, on the freight side, not really impactful, or the holiday really wasn't impactful in any way. Growth was, again, moderate. I mean, it wasn't crazy growth, but you're seeing growth in things that are slightly concerning. I don't want to say they're a major concern yet, but seeing a 78% growth and buy now, pay later is a little concerning. Yeah, I, with the Black Friday numbers, I'd be interested to see the actual number of sales, right? Because yep. with the two, I think two, two and a half percent increase year over year, but also inflation is seven, eight, nine percent. Yep. So is it that things have just gotten more expensive mm -hmm. and there's less people actually buying things or is it truly that we've seen, seen growth? So it's gonna be quite interesting. And um, I mean, I was at Best Buy on Black Friday, I was at Costco on Saturday and those shelves were full, guys. There was, yep. there was a lot of things that were left on the shelves. Yeah, and I was at Target on Black Friday, and I was like, this is, there were a lot of people in the mm -hmm. store, uh, but it didn't seem like it was like a mad rush like normal, or like a, a Black Friday, say, even pre-COVID, right? When there was the camping out and the things like that, it didn't feel like 
it was crazy. Like you said, there was stuff on the shelves, and there were, you could almost feel the stores were overflowing with inventory because, like, even in the back of, back near the clothes section, I mean, you could see just the pallets of, of goods that were sitting there waiting to get put on the shelves that they had to clear room for first. So, I mean, the, it kind of goes into that whole inventory story that we've been telling for, what, six, nine months now? Stores are overflowing with inventories. If they're overflowing, warehouses are dealing with these inventory levels as well. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens post-holiday, right, into the first quarter, those first, really the first two months of the year. Do these retail locations start discounting even deeper than what they were for Black Friday just to move that inventory because new seasons start and shopping patterns kind of change as you obviously transition out of the holiday and into getting into prepping for those summer months. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, that'll, and a lot of this all comes back to, you know, how it translates for physical freight, right? Mm -hmm. You know, there's that 2% number. Is that just, there's less physical goods moving, but it's at a higher dollar value, right? That does not help the freight market, right? Because yep. it all comes down to physical goods. Now on the flip side, if we, they discount and people start buying more things, even if sales remain flat or even potentially go negative from a dollar value, but if those physical goods are moving at a higher frequency, that can help the freight market a little yep. bit. So it'll be interesting to see how it all, all plays out. One thing I do want to call out, though, and this is where we, we've been in this dynamic. We got a little bit of insight from the Fed today to tell us a little bit on um, maybe where the directional rate hikes are going to go. Sounds like they're going to continue, but maybe at a slower or, or a lesser interval. Mm -hmm. um, so that'll be interesting. And um, we we talk about this is all in their in their goal to fight inflation. Um, and we've got and a big part of inflation has been energy. Mm -hmm. um, and I want to go ahead and pull up a chart here. We've been tracking wholesale fuel prices for diesel in the United States, what we call <laughs> rack prices. Let's go ahead and throw this up on the screen for folks to see. Um, this isn't something we we show a lot. Um, but uh, it, very impactful and affects a lot of folks. So let me just explain what the rack price is here. And then, um, and, and Tony, if you would, after that, kind of tell us maybe who cares about this. But the rack price here is the wholesale price of diesel. So this is the price that a lot of uh, retail shops like gas stations are buying their um, fuel at from the distributor, mm -hmm. you know, or a lot of major carriers on the trucking side are able to buy uh, fuel from the big, the big fuel companies at rack plus, sometimes rack minus or rack plus, depending on uh, where they are. You've noticed a massive decline. This is the lowest point that rack prices have been since March of 2022 when that real big ramp up happened with Russia and Ukraine. Um, and we've fallen 32% from the high. We haven't fallen that much on the retail side yet. Yeah. It, this tends to lead retail. Mm -hmm. um, but I guess, Tony, from your side, right, we see a lot of fuel. You know, who, who, does this benefit anybody? Does this impact anybody on the, uh, on the logistics side or on the carrier side at all? Yeah. yeah, I mean, on the carrier side, it's those that, like you said, have fuel contracts, right, that are being able to purchase fuel at this price. Because yeah. ultimately, the, char the price that they charge their customers in their fuel surcharges is the retail price, or, right. that, or the DOE. Typically, it's based yeah. off the DOE price, which is a retail price. We saw that, what was it, in the Daily Watch today, was a nine cent drop, I yeah. think, right? Yeah, it's like one of the biggest drops. So, I mean, is it, the retail price is moving down, but you saw rack prices move down further yeah. and faster, right? So, which is normal, like you said, it, this kind of leads retail, because if you think 
a diesel or truck stop owner or retail location, they're buying the fuel at this price. There's been so much volatility in this that, hey, they've got to make, they have to cover themselves because wholesale prices really don't include taxes and things like that. Whereas at retail locations, you're getting paid, you're having to pay taxes, you're, pay, you're basically paying your over. If you listen to a retailer, they don't make a whole lot of money on fuel, right? right? So typically you see it in that dollar spread and that's kind of where retail locations feel comfortable to cover their overhead and basically, I mean, they're ultimately comfortable, but right now you're, I mean, you're at like a dollar 70, something around that, the spread. Right. Uh, so seeing this move down, I mean, ultimately it's going to lead to lower retail prices, which obviously in Daily Watch Day you saw it's starting to happen. You're seeing those move down. It's just not as fast, mainly because there's been the volatility in this. Station owners are a little more hesitant, but you see this, it doesn't matter if you're a large carrier buying fuel at this or a small carrier, because ultimately it's going to help you in the long run, because one, yeah. it's lowering that operating costs, which if rates are declining, you want to be, it. so revenue as a whole, if you can't offset it in volume, you, wanna, you have to be able to lower your operating costs, and this is one yeah. that isn't in your control, but you're seeing it, which is a positive. So this might actually be a little bit of good news for yeah, your truck driver, right? Exactly. I mean, like, like Luke said, you're not necessarily going to see what you're paying at the pump for a truck driver be lower today, yep. um, but there are indications that it is going lower. Yep. So exactly. that actually is some good news for uh, any, any drivers that are out there that are expecting to, they're seeing rates, they understand what's going on, and as Tony said, it's going to lower your operating cost. And if you're out there just putting fuel on a fuel card, um, you can definitely uh, expect for those expenses to start coming down a little bit. Even though looking, we also do with Side Sonar have, you know, what drivers are paying at the pump, um, mm -hmm. and that's definitely starting to come down, but it's still at where it was at like mid-late October. It, yeah. we're, we're still very, very elevated over the last yeah. year. Yeah, it's like a cent uh, to cent and a half a day. I mean, it's it's not enough. You start to see it moving, but there is room for these station owners to start moving at lower, maybe a little more aggressively, given this decline in the rack price, but again, the volatility is what what yeah. keeps them from pushing it down so that, fast. That just goes back to the uh, to the open market, right? A gas station yep. owner is going to lower their price if they're trying to attract cars, and then the gas station across the street says, well, you know what, now i got to lower my price to attract yeah. cars. So basically it's just a matter of who's going to move first, and they will move. It's a very competitive yep. market. Let's go ahead and flip gears here a little bit. We want to talk on the ocean side, because a lot has happened on the ocean side. We've talked about it, but it's been a few weeks since we've talked about it. Um, <clears throat> You, you hear a lot about lower demand, and you know one of the first indicators for what's going to happen to the truckload market in the U.S. is what's happening on the ocean side, those imports that are coming in. Uh, according to the CEO of Flexport, one of the largest customs brokers in the U.S., there's anywhere from uh, 70, 65 to 70 percent of all U.S. import moves via truckload once it comes into the ports, so a massive amount. Um, and let's go ahead and throw this chart up on the screen here. This is customs data. So this, this, is, um, this, this is customs data. This is just what number of shipments that clears customs there. Um, that's the blue line each day. The, the, the red line there for reference is the 21-day uh, moving average just to smooth it out a little bit. Um, and it's down about 17% year over year. Yep. Down about 17% year over year. Um, and you can see it started falling right around the, right around the start of September. The reason why I want to call this out is, remember that, the customs data, which is what comes through the ports and clears and it can now flow through the economy, started dropping in September. Those are real goods. All right. What I want to do, though, is show, flip over to the next chart, the bookings data, 
which is a really big leading indicator right there, which shows you what's being ordered that will then eventually ship to the United States. We started to see that drop at the end of May. So do a little math here. We're talking over three months before it ever showed up in customs. And that's why this is down, I believe, about 33, 34% year over year. There's customs still has room to fall. Yeah, and I mean, some of this, is, some of that, I mean, if you remember, Henry Byers wrote an article earlier this year, right, about import levels falling off a cliff. He was yeah. talking about this, right. not what was happening at the port yet. Correct. There were still backlogs and things at the ports, right? So, I mean, the timing of it, of, hey, when we're going to see this, I mean, in a normal period, right, you think 30 to 60 days, right? But depending east to west coast, where they clear customs, things like that. Well, I mean, backlogs, they lengthen that out quite a bit. I mean, so, I mean, three months is what, 90 days? So, I mean, even, I mean, you're pushing it back another month, but you're still seeing it happen. And what's interesting is they almost, they measure the same thing, right? As opposed to, you're looking at shipments or bookings, right? We talked about it before where you can have one shipment that has one TEU, you have one shipment that has five TEUs, you have one shipment that's half of a TEU. But it's the same thing that's clearing customs, right? Yeah. It's those bill of ladings. There is that room to fall, and that's what I think is what's concerning is you really saw, I mean, you saw a spike in bookings around Golden Week, which is kind of expected. You typically see that uh, back there in right at the beginning of October. Well, that data is not showing those this decline in bookings that we've seen even off of that hasn't shown up, isn't showing right. up in customs data. It's still that 30, 60, 90 days out from clearing customs. Guess what? We're still talking about that further demand destruction. Definitely. Tanner, what's the conversation like from customers right now? I know you talk to customers from different perspectives, right? Both on the carrier side, the broker side, the shipper side. You know, when they think about demand, right, and really the demand compression that we've seen, you know, how, how are they thinking through that? Maybe kind of give us a point from the CARES perspective, like how they're trying to weather the storm, and then maybe from the shipper's perspective, how it's impacting them. Yeah, from a CARES perspective, it's really about being proactive and trying to jump on those relationships. If you do have an opportunity at maybe grabbing some contracted freight, you probably should go ahead and lock yep. those rates in if, if you haven't already. Um, again, everything, all the charts we're looking at here, we expect contracted and spot rates to continue to fall. Um, so if you can't lock those rates in, you're going to start to see margin in, in operational compression as well. Um, so yeah, so they're, they're trying to gear up for a change. They constantly ask me, hey, what are some of the key indicators we can kind of keep an eye for, for when this might flip uh, and win, right? Yep. And so constantly looking at that data uh, with inside sonar, it's something that's really important to them to understand yeah. what direction is going to go and, and when is it going to change. From a shipper's perspective, a, a lot of this has kind of been good news because mm -hmm. um, things are getting cheaper for shippers, right? Transportation is getting cheaper. Warehousing is getting cheaper. So a lot of their costs are going down. Now, is some of their growth coming down? Yes, some of their growth's come down a little bit. But at the same time, they can focus on building their brand, trying to increase revenues while their costs are decreasing. So a lot of our shipper clients are constantly looking at this information to use that negotiation. If they see spot rates and contract rates start to fall, they know that, hey, it might be time to start to rebid again. And so we've had the conversation many times, but we're going from, you know, over the last decade, we've seen people do yearly RFPs or six months RFPs. Now we're looking at a, a monthly mini bid, like, right? So very, very small, short contracted bid cycles um, to take advantage of a falling market. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's kind of expected. I mean, 
especially when they feel like they kind of get slighted throughout the pandemic, even though the market was kind of dictating what was happening to them. And consumer behavior kind of dictated that as well, right? You throw in all the demand that we saw related to the pandemic into a market that was coming out of a recessionary freight recession there in 2019, right? I mean, if you think back pre-pandemic in 20, early 2022, the market was not, a, the freight market wasn't in a good place necessarily, right? Rejections were, what, four or 5%, kind of where they are right now. But COVID happened, demand increased like crazy, capacity couldn't keep up, right? And then it, it obviously, we see the correction, we're there, we have too much capacity. Now, how fast does it correct on the way down? It doesn't seem like it's moving at the pace that it did on the way up. And For sure. And there's only a few catalysts that's going to make that eventually shift, yep. right? I think one thing that Mike Bonadistel, or one of our real experts, has been talking about is a potential strike. Yeah. Could a potential rail strike cause that flip? And yep. is it short-lived? Is it long-lived? I think we're going to have to keep an eye after that to know what happens. And really, the only thing, in, in my opinion, that could flip that is when we finally, like you said, the Fed stops raising rates, and we might get a little bit of economical churn where consumers are starting to feel a little bit more confident about going and spending out and, and increasing demand and, and the money that they're spending. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's a good that's a good segue too to talk about you know where the where the ocean markets have have been right. You know, there's there's definitely been a, a big collapse of truckload spot rates. Contract rates are beginning to come down, but definitely collapse in truckload demand. But it's nothing compared to what we've seen on the ocean side. Yeah. Right. I mean, nothing. Now, to be fair, they rose. You know, I, I want to. To say at least, right, ocean rates, they kind of flew a little too close to the sun. Yes. Right? And now they're paying the price of that. <laughs> um, and it's not good. Now, these are spot rates. Contract rates are still much higher than this, but contract rates are being renegotiated and they are coming down hard as well. They may not come down quite as low as spot rates, but they be mindful, they are coming down. Yeah, I mean, the days of the $20,000 container oh, from China to the U.S. are, are long gone. Long I mean, gone. That, that ship if you're paying anywhere, see what you did there. If you are paying anywhere <laughs> close to that right now, you are getting hosed. I mean, most shippers that I've talked to haven't even paid ten thousand dollars for a contractor rate for the last six months. Like yeah. that ship sailed six months ago. We did it again, boys. <laughs> Let's go. All right, but no, check this out. So first, we're going to look at China to North America West Coast. Okay, so this is you know China to the West Coast ports. So L.A., Long Beach. Um, this is uh, this is the index, right? We're basically at fourteen, uh, you know, around fifteen hundred bucks. We're at 2019 levels, folks. Yeah. We're not at 2018 highs like we were at the last time we looked at this index a couple of weeks ago. We're at 2019 levels. Like, not only has the entire gain from the pandemic area gone, but we're at we're at 2019 levels, which was a very soft year. So we we went back to a bad year prior to the pandemic. Yeah, I think th I think that's the key, right? Is it's almost a perspective, right? People throughout the pandemic, yes, we all knew it was a boom and couldn't last, but the talk was always. Well, it's not going back to 2019 levels. It's not going back to 2019 levels. Yeah. And it's, or people are talking about it normalizing to 2019 levels. Well, people Correct. don't realize that 2019 wasn't good. Like, if you were in the freight market at the time, you realized it wasn't the best environment to operate in. Yeah. And I think that's the key is, like, you do have to keep that perspective in. Mm -hmm. The ocean does lead the truckload market. I mean, it... It's kind of the fir that first mover yes. in the supply chain, right? It's it's way upstream, or not way upstream, but it is upstream from the domestic supply chain and domestic 
transportation networks. Yeah. And when you see this, one, I think everybody's talked about this shift from the West Coast to the East Coast, and I do think some of that is true, but I can tell you what, I think if a shipper is not going to pay double to go necessarily to the East Coast, like if they have a rate, like at some point the rate is going to drive that movement back to the West Coast because it, it's going to be cheaper in the long run to one, move things into, it's faster to move it into yes. Port of LA, mm. it's going to be cheaper, and then, I mean, barring the, what happens on the railroads, but you're seeing the spot market I mean, fall to where it is. If you start looking at rates, say, from LA to Dallas, I mean, you're talking in that $2 and what, 20 cents a mile? I mean, yeah. really kind of close to operating costs. So, I mean, at some point it's going to make sense to go back to the West Coast and not necessarily just kind of in this shift to the East Coast and everybody thinks that, hey, it's here to stay. Yes, there's going to be some demand that stays on the East Coast naturally, but LA's not going to lose all its share to the East Coast. Too much infrastructure built out. And we can't go back to 2019 levels anyway, or, well, we can, but, like, that's not good, not just because the market was bad, but it's a lot more expensive now than it was then. I mean, Tanner, you you hear that story every day, I'm sure. Yeah, how far is far enough, right? One thing that I tweeted earlier that was interesting, I was taking a look at our high-frequency market rate tool and looking at a few lanes, and it, as of today, it is half of the price to bring a container into the uh, East Coast and ship it to West versus it is bringing it in all the way to LA and yeah. then shipping it across on a truckload across the United States. It is half the cost, right? So, yeah. yes, it's going to be a few extra days in transit to get it through the canal into the East yeah. Coast, but what's a few extra maybe week to week and a half to get through the canal and in the East Coast if you're going to pay half the price, yeah. right, to, to, for that full transaction? So a lot of things I've been telling my shipper clients is that, hey, if, if you have distribution centers that are in the East yeah. Coast, why are you continuing to bring it into LA and then pay a really expensive truckload to get 2,2500 miles? Yeah, I mean, that, that does go into it, right? I mean, you think about it is, I mean, you're going to see, especially with rates falling, especially here on the East Coast, they've come down quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, on the West Coast, they're probably artificially inflated a little due to fuel. I mean, you think about fuel around LA at six plus dollars a gallon. But you're right, I mean, that two, I mean, if you bring it into, say, Savannah and you're just going up into Atlanta, right, it, it's almost worth the extra few days to a week on the, the ship. But if it's all going to Chicago or somewhere in the center of the country, then you right. can, that's where you can start playing that where does it make sense, where does it not. Yeah. And this, this is where, let, let's, let's pull up, we're going to pull up China to the East Coast, because yeah. I think a lot of folks have talked a lot about, you know, what's been the impact of things shifting over to the East Coast. And you're right, it, there has been some. But we've fallen 82% from our highs <laughs> from China to the East Coast. And by the way, that's a lot better. China to the West Coast has fallen, I think, about 90% right now. Actually, over 90% now, close to 94%. Um, I mean, they, guys, they, they look like some of the, they look like Carvana stock, mm-hmm. all right? You know, let's just let's just be real. They look like Coinbase stock. So, they um, so we've seen this drop here, 82 percent, and now 
U.S. Ch- or China to East Coast ports are back at 2018 highs. Yeah. So I mean, they, so they're they're a month and a half behind. They're six weeks behind the West Coast rates. Yeah, exactly. Six I mean, weeks behind. But 2018 got hot for a minute, right? It did I mean, get that's hot for technically a minute. Yeah. the last freight recession right before the 2018, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. ship, uh, carriers were making so much money. That's the last time we had a really good trucking market where rates were super high. So it's a lot different. Even though technically the price is the same, the market is completely different. Yep. Yes. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely correct. But yeah. So. It'll be interesting to see where it all, all ends up. I mean, I think, listen, there's a couple of good news. Fuel, fuel is coming down. That's a good sign for carriers, especially carriers that run the spot market, spot market, right, who don't get those fuel surcharges. So even if spot rates remain flat or go down a little bit, you should get a little bit of a breather there, although it won't feel like a lot, I imagine, because of how much rates have fallen. It's better than nothing. And you should start to see that in the coming weeks, assuming the rack prices continue to fall or at least you know hold at these levels. Um, so that's the good news, right? Um, we are seeing you know demand continue to diminish, although it doesn't seem like it's falling much more right now. It, it seems on the ocean yeah. to kind of be holding steady at these levels. So eventually we'll, we'll kind of see where that normalizing is. Um, but uh, I, think, I think it'll be a good conversation as we head into Q1. We might see a little bit more rate compression on the contract side, I think Q1 and Q2. Yep. I think that'll continue for much longer. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll see eventually where, where it unfolds. And here's the thing, all this is gonna be true until something else happens that throws it all off. Yeah, exactly. The, and we'll let you know when that happens. You can't predict the future on that one. That <laughs> yeah. one's a little tough to Yeah, but you can use sonar. You can use sonar. It's the yeah. closest thing. Of it. it is the closest thing you have to a Stargate. But anyways, folks, we're at the end of time here. A little throwback to a 90s TV show. Uh, we'll see you next Wednesday. We have a very special guest for you next Wednesday. So tune in then and have a fantastic rest of your day.